0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and I want to welcome any first time listeners out there. I'm really happy you decided to tune in. So, whether you're a seasoned tango dancer or a novice who just started, you've come to the right place. Now, I know we pick up a lot from taking classes, workshops, and private lessons, but there's another valuable learning resource that's often overlooked, and that's the personal anecdotes and insights of the very teachers who guide us. And the purpose of the interviews on this podcast is to help fill that gap and to provide you some more learning tools as you progress on your own Tango adventure. As you know, I love getting feedback from listeners, so if you ever wanna get in touch, feel free to email me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. Although she was born and raised in Moscow, Russia, My guest today is based out of Paris, France. She is one of the founding members of the group Tango Mon Amour, where she assumes the role of instructor as well as art director. She has a strong background in classical ballet and modern dance, as well as yoga, pilates, and gyrotronics. And as you can imagine, her teaching method is grounded heavily in understanding body mechanics. She has taught and performed in over a dozen countries, is fluent in seven languages, and is also a very well-known blogger. Many of you listening may have come across her book entitled "Why Tango," which is a collection of her many essays. And with me now is Veronica Tomanova. Veronica, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very honored.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Veronica. So could you take us back, uh, maybe closer to the beginning of your tango journey? So can you describe the moment when you knew? you want a tango to be a big part of your life?
1: I was uh, at that time, which is now about 18 years ago, mm-hmm. I was working as a user interface designer and I was dancing for years already, but um, nothing social. I was dancing mm-hmm. jazz ballet and contemporary and modern dance. I was uh, very much into dance, but I also had a profession in, uh, in visual uh, communications, so in design. And tango somehow always was in the back of my mind because uh, the times that i had heard that music that really touched me but there was i had a colleague where i was working and he had started Mm -hmm. learning tango with his wife and after his first class next day he came to me sat down and said veronica listen i have to tell you something (laughs) i just started argentinian tango and i think you should try that too it's so you Mm. and I was like, well, you know, I'm dancing already, I don't have time, I don't have a partner, blah, blah.
0: But he kept insisting,
1: he kept coming week after week, after every class, he said, like, well, just drop in in the practica and just, you know, see what's going on. I think you, it's, it's, it's so you somehow. <laughs> and so eventually he dragged me into the practica, and it was a very small group of mm. beginners mm. and uh, teachers of quite an advanced age. It was nothing, nothing Mm -hmm. very spectacular it was just very small and i walk in and i hear this music and it stops me in my tracks because there is this huge serious and kind of sad uh, emotion in the music and the teacher showed me some steps and because of my dance background it was not very difficult to Mm -hmm. follow the Mm -hmm. rhythm and and the steps so before i knew i was dancing with the teacher and teaching teacher was like oh you're following nicely you feel uh, everything uh, I lead you, and um, in an intuitive way, also because I was not afraid to move, Mm -hmm. being already having already dance background, and Mm -hmm. and so I went to my first milonga two days later, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just sat there and watched people, and I was amazed because uh, the realization that two people were improvising together using kind of a common vocabulary that Mm -hmm. just blew my mind. I thought it was the most brilliant thing that anyone could have ever mentioned because until then i was dancing choreographed dances and uh, everything that concerned improvisation was part of contemporary dance Mm. and i also found always very difficult that was for me improvisation was for me something only very very smart people could do something and um, the fact of improvising together closely with another person while being embraced i thought that was just absolutely amazing Mm-hmm. Very soon I went about months later, I went to a place where every month a lot of young and advanced dancers gathered from all over Europe the place to be at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, El Corte in Nijmegen where I eventually started taking classes and Mm -hmm. I saw that crowd and I was absolutely mesmerized I was just standing there watching and I thought wow this is what I've been looking for my whole life Mm -hmm. and I really had that feeling dawning upon me this is this is it Mm -hmm. every dance that I've tried everything that I was Looking for was in this dance, and so I dove straight in, and uh, never re-emerged again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, because I know you have a you have a very strong background in classical ballet, and also modern dance, and you had you, and your teacher said you were very intuitive when you started picking this up. Was there any sort of um, other than what you mentioned about contemporary dance and how the improvisational aspect of it was was intriguing to you? Were there any other, say, physical differences that you had to adjust to when it came when it comes to classical dance, classical ballet, modern dance versus tango?
1: Well, first I have to say that I haven't done classical ballet before tango. Oh, okay. I actually started classical ballet five years after starting
0: tango. Oh, okay. So
1: before tango, I had a lot of experience with uh, modern, uh, some contemporary, and just ballet and some hip-hop. So dances that are actually not very different from tango in a sense that Mm -hmm. they also use the notion of weight and the notion of pushing the floor and and grounding into the floor Mm -hmm. and having a certain relaxation and and tonic relaxation in your body Mm -hmm. allowing you to conduct energy eventually also from another person. Whereas Mm -hmm. classical ballet, although it seems a technique that is very different, in some ways it is not very different, but Mm -hmm. in some other ways it is very different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm kind of happy I started ballet. I always wanted to do it, but somehow didn't get around to doing it, but Mm -hmm. I was, in a way, very happy to have started it later than tango, so I could really keep those two techniques apart where Mm -hmm. I need to keep them apart and not have to unlearn stuff mm. or deal with difficulties that very accomplished ballerinas have when they try to learn tango.
0: Mm,
1: I see. <laughs> to the contrary, I've noticed in myself and also in other people that people coming from contemporary dance or modern jazz Mm -hmm. They have no difficulty at all adjusting to tango technique. It Mm. is something very intuitively natural to them. Okay. So um, that was also for me a huge advantage. And I always say to my students, if you want to dance me longer, do do some hip hop. It will be the best training for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: Um, Because it has this bouncy kind of energy exchange, uh, rebounding, uh, elastic uh, quality to it, depending of course on what kind of dance you do. In contemporary dance you have a lot of different Mm -hmm. uh, ways and forms. Mm -hmm. So um, the, the improvisation part was fascinating because as a child i have danced a lot by myself and Mm -hmm. it was always improvisation i would put on music and just dance to it oh nice and uh, when i saw tango i kind of remembered that state of uh, merging with the music and letting the music move you in a way that the music wants to move you Mm -hmm. and i remember that in the first time i would put on tango music at home and just dance to it freely Mm not doing any tango steps, but really grooving to tango music, to feel it in Mm -hmm. my body and to feel how uh, my body naturally reacts to this, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and um, I felt that it was very beneficial because apart from being able to follow naturally the movement of another person, Mm -hmm. if you are really merging with the music, you will be able to understand the other person oh. much better because he's trying to do the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I didn't really experience anything as a particular difficulty. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, Tango Technique, for followers especially, has mm-hmm. uh, risen dramatically in its difficulty in the past 6 to 10 years. So mm-hmm. the, the difficulties were purely technical, uh-huh. uh, developing a very complex vocabulary, doing very... Um, demanding technical moves and uh, but that's difficult for everyone right but i didn't have to undo anything so Mm. to say in my body
0: yeah so veronica how did you start teaching tango can you describe that journey
1: actually it's uh i was dancing for about eight years as a as a social dancer Mm -hmm. And I knew somehow already for a long time that tango will be a very big part of my life and that I wanted eventually to do it professionally. Oh. But I kind of rolled into it uh, naturally. I started teaching followers' technique here and there. And then I got together with my first partner. And then we said, okay, let's do it. We are going to, uh, to, to have a couple. We are going to build this mm-hmm. couple.
0: Nice.
1: And um, it's been, uh, I, I've been teaching and performing for 10 years now. Nice. so it's a bit a bit more than half of my tango uh, journey, mm-hmm. so um and the thing is is that what I really wanted was to perform actually from the mm-hmm. beginning. Okay. teaching itself was kind of secondary to it i um I didn't give it much thought before mm-hmm. I started in a sense that I didn't think I would be particularly fond of doing this, okay, but then when I started teaching, I felt this amazing. Amazing sensation, like wow! This is a this is great. This is this is mm-hmm. huge. Teaching people to dance, uh, this dance is uh, feels absolutely amazing. And um, I still uh, love performing the most. For me, performing. If you take away performance, you kind of take away uh, a lot of sense that I find in Tango Bata, uh, uh, which means I couldn't live with just teaching. Mm. That would wouldn't be enough. Uh Uh, whereas if you remove teaching I could still live with just performing and and find kind of a satisfaction but uh, teaching still gives me a huge amount of satisfaction because what I found fascinating is setting myself as a goal to actually really teach somebody something Mm -hmm. really see results and Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating and when you have people in a class or in a private class and with whatever you do however you do it you get a result and a person gets a result and a mm-hmm. person feels it in their body and they see and it's just something absolutely magical mm-hmm. because one mm-hmm. thing is to teach somebody something on an intellectual level mm-hmm. but another thing when your body starts doing things it's never done before and right. feel sensation it has never felt before or, mm-hmm. or didn't realize the, the sensations were mm-hmm. there I find it absolutely magical it, it never ceases to amaze me
0: yeah yeah, absolutely. You know, when you, when you mm-hmm. see somebody else doing something they've never done and when they f- have that sense of, yeah. I can do this. Yeah, it's so rewarding. Yeah, and,
1: and, and I know it from myself because mm-hmm. uh, when I started dancing tango, I was doing it very intensely. Mm-hmm. And I still kept doing all the other dances. Eventually, I dropped the modern <laughs> and the contemporary and mm-hmm. I switched entirely to uh, to ballet uh, next to tango and then mm-hmm. doing also a lot of other body work such as yoga and pilates and gyrotonic and, mm-hmm. and stuff so i know it also from my own learning whichever dance mm-hmm. how amazing it feels to uh, progress in your movements and how endless this journey can be yes yeah. uh, and how profound
0: yeah yeah so staying along uh, with the topic of of teaching veronica so there are a lot of uh, novice dancers novice tango students who don't really have anything physically wrong with them in terms of ability but they often have a lot of negative thoughts in their heads you know when they're especially if they're Mm -hmm. new to to malangas like they might say to themselves oh i'm afraid of messing up or i'm afraid of not having a good dance i'm afraid my partner will dislike me all of these things running through their heads how do you address that as a teacher when they when they bring these Mm -hmm. issues up to you
1: Well, first of all, I think teachers need to uh, realize what is the major cause for this Mm -hmm. kind of uh, inner critical voice. Uh, It's because most people come into tango in an adult age Mm. where they uh, already are experts in various domains in life. Mm -hmm. So being suddenly thrown back into a novice situation is kind of a confrontation, and it is especially a confrontation for heterosexual men, because they are supposed also to uphold this idea of them being the most knowledgeable and the most uh, amazing and strong and whatever uh, yeah. in, in our culture. So feeling your own judgment and feeling others' judgment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, conscious or unconscious, upon you is a very unpleasant feeling mm. for an adult. Mm -hmm. So when you take, for example, a teenager of 14 or 16 years, they have it much less. They have other problems, but they don't have that much uh, an internal conflict between being an expert in one thing. Mm -hmm. And so being afraid of being considered incapable in another thing. So they have much less this fear of just trying things out. Mm -hmm. And this is why teenagers and children learn things in movement much faster because they don't have this inhibition in their body they just do it and it mm-hmm. works or it doesn't if it doesn't work they do not beat up themselves internally as much as adults do. Mm -hmm. And also, the the more adult you are, the more you have developed your inner critic with several uh, uh, running programs that will always activate the moment you do something that you don't like. So this voice will keep telling you, well, again, uh, you know, your mother always said you didn't have a sense of richness, Ah. stuff like that. Whereas uh, the younger a person is, the less those programs are ingrained. Uh, So this is the cause, so we have to realize that people come with this kind of luggage and also they often come from domains in life where they do absolutely nothing with their body,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: nothing complex, just basic stuff. Mm -hmm. So it will feel very uncomfortable, very new, very um, exposed Mm -hmm. and vulnerable. And then you have to ask yourself as a teacher uh, what kind of approach you use because uh, some approaches Mm -hmm. depending on who you have in front of you will worsen this situation Mm -hmm. for example if a very sensitive person that is very sensitive to critic to Mm -hmm. critique and has a very strong critical voice inside his head and Mm -hmm. is kind of perfectionist and wants to do things immediately right comes to your class and you start beating beating him up psychologically and, and and being too harsh, Mm -hmm. it can um, have an adverse effect. It can actually slow down the progress. Mm -hmm. Then there is a a very little minority of people who need kind of, they think they need the beating up to be motivated. There is a different psychological uh, mechanism. But those are usually people who already motivate themselves internally so strongly, they don't mind being Mm -hmm. criticized. They know what they're doing it for. But it's it's very... It's a tiny majority that go for the top. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. people are not like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most people will be destroyed psychologically if you are being <laughs> too harsh on them. Yeah. This is just how it is. Mm-hmm. So what I do as a teacher, uh, my approach to both of those groups, actually, is mm-hmm. to soothe this psychological inner critic mm-hmm. and to bring the people into a benevolently neutral state of mind mm-hmm. in which they relax, in a sense that they don't work up this psychological stress mm-hmm. of inner judgment, they let it go, mm-hmm. and instead they can turn away from it and look at what what's happening in a neutrally positive way, oh. like an explorer, like mm-hmm. somebody who says, hmm, that's interesting, I just done this movement, it feels really interesting, or oh, here, uh, here I did it the old way, now mm-hmm. let's try to do it the new way without attaching any kind of judgment to it. Because Mm -hmm. the judgment, the inner judgment tends to settle into you and make yourself become the person that you judge yourself for. So, in other words, if you say, oh, I'm really bad in ochos, mm-hmm. well, you will live with this knowledge that you are the person who is really bad in ochos. <laughs> yeah. You know, you will kind of fulfill your own your own uh, destiny of being mm-hmm. bad in ochos. But yeah. if you say, oh, my ochos uh, are kind of uh, wobbly at this moment, but mm-hmm. um, I think... I know when it happens, I I think I also know when it doesn't happen, when I do something right, I just have to work a little bit on this and uh, I'll find a way to improve it. So when you are in this state Mm -hmm. where you feel the progress and you see the progress... And you do not criticize yourself too much because you feel you are moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. This is the most beneficial state of mind for learning. And I tend to be very critical of myself and very perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So I have lived with this mechanism also for years doing uh, all the dance. And especially when you walk out on a stage or in, in the middle of a, an event and you have to perform and mm-hmm. all, all eyes are on you. I mean, if you don't have the courage to, to struggle through this inner judgment, you will mm-hmm. just die right there. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I had to find mechanisms for me to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I found mechanisms in literature from my teachers of other dances, mm-hmm. and especially my ballet teachers. One especially, she said always, you have to work in a neutrally inquisitive state so that. Every possible mental stress
0: mm.
1: is removed because stress makes your body tense, and uh-huh. we don't want tension, we want the body to flow. So, if you can bring yourself in a neutral state where you are a very alert observer of what happens, mm-hmm. you will be much more capable of doing what it is actually you need to do. Mm. This is what I try to do in classes. And uh, one of the ways I noticed to bring mm-hmm. people into the state is, of course, not to tell them now, uh, everybody, please, quickly into the neutral state <laughs> that adds, uh, adds, uh, stress is to fascinate them with the topic. okay? The children when um when you get their attention in the topic so that they are really fascinating and and excited and 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 they get into this explorer mindset and they forget that they are who they are. They mm-hmm. forget mm-hmm. They, they are really bad and not just. They start doing not just and going like, wow, that felt different. Wow, what is this? Mm-hmm. And then you get results. And then they're the happiest people of all. Yeah. 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 And I love to see this dynamic. I love using different means to bring people in this. And I see their eyes light up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I also use a lot is positive feedback. Mm-hmm. I tell, uh, of course, I make them aware of the things that don't work and in which way they work and not work. But I also use a lot of positive feedback. I always tell them what is it, what is working well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because this is just as important as knowing what is not working. Because mm-hmm. if you can't discern the two, you will never know when you are doing it well. So it's, right. it's it will be an eternal frustration. Mm-hmm. So they have the most important thing for people is to know when they're doing it right uh-huh. you yeah. see because this is the only thing that brings you further
0: mm-hmm.
1: if you only know what you are doing wrong you are still stuck mm-hmm. so uh, i will always tell you, yes now look look how beautifully you move yes did you feel that it was very fluid did you feel how you never lost balance did mm-hmm. you feel that yeah and uh, from there people can train themselves to find those sensations again mm-hmm. and they will feel they are progressing they will feel they have the means to do it and uh, they will never feel stuck
0: in this judgment Mm -hmm. so what's some memorable advice or some really good advice that you've gotten from some of your own instructors over the years
1: Uh, tango instructors yes the uh, instructors that gave me uh, that's a long time ago but uh, one of my first couple instructors with whom I I took private classes very intensively during a a short period Mm -hmm. they were the first to give me a sense of Tango technique being a system. Ah. Whereas at that time it was still very much common to just teach by asking the students to copy you. Ah, yeah. So each each teacher would develop his own tips and tricks and just say, like, well, like just do like me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas they were the first one to say, no, it's a system, it's mm-hmm. a technique in a pure sense of the word. So mm-hmm. if you use this, you can do any movement by identifying those basic mechanisms. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that was eye-opening. And since then I have treated the technique like this. I have said to myself, uh, when I'm dancing or teaching, which is even more importantly,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I have to be able to place everything that happens within a system. Mm Even if it's an exception, I have to be able to identify it as an exception to a system.
0: Hmm.
1: So, uh, because it's this systematic approach that allows you to learn Tango more as an alphabet and not just a number of pictograms that you all have to memorize every time, you know? And this is this was probably the most important thing I realized. And and another one was uh, <clears throat> taking classes with, for example, a teacher like Tichu Frumpoli. He wouldn't hmm. actually explain many things, but the way he thought about movement right. and about the interaction in a couple uh, opened my eyes to how energy works hmm. in relation to the weight and the displacement in space. Mm-hmm. and how two energies interact, and how they create rebounding and implosion and explosion. So that is still a technique that is, I think, at the core of what I teach, is mm-hmm. the um, the interplay between energies and weight, mm-hmm. and, uh, and inertia of movement. Ah, so, yes. yeah. And then there was one thing uh, I think a teacher said, uh, you know, technique is one thing, but mm-hmm. you still have your personality, and you will do your movement the way you do it. And mm-hmm. this is good. Don't let the technique over overtake you, mm-hmm. uh, becoming uh, making your movement very correct but sterile. You should mm-hmm. be
0: yourself in right. the movement, right. develop your own. Right. Yeah.
1: You have have that right, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's putting your own personality into it. Yeah. Yeah. And your body, your body
1: sets Mm -hmm. certain boundaries and gives you certain liberties that other bodies don't. Mm -hmm. So the more it is within your body's natural reach, Mm -hmm. the more organic it will look. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Veronica, what have you learned from your own students over the years?
1: What I've learned is that, let's say, I'm a dancer who came from dance background mm-hmm. and went very much into a fascination with tango as a dance, primarily, mm-hmm. as a, a form of expression, as yeah. an art, a, as a technique. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm also a social dancer, but for me, the emphasis is more on the dance and a bit less on social. Okay. Mm. And what I learned from my students is that I am a very tiny mi- minority in tango, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I still can bring joy and, and knowledge and enjoyment of this dance to people who have a different focus, who have more a focus on the social mm-hmm. and the social interaction and enjoying dance more from the human factor point of view and maybe less uh, fascinated by the dance itself. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what I've learned is to be, first of all, accepting of this focus, because it, when you are a very perfectionist dancer, mm-hmm. you tend to think you have the only truth, etc., etc.
0: Right.
1: And uh, be being accepting of this different focus, being um, able to still work for those people mm-hmm. and give them something they can use in their dance yeah. without having the same focus as me. Mm-hmm. And also to let go of some of those perfectionists ways Mm -hmm. in favor of finding a connection with a particular person in a particular moment, no matter how imperfect it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, um, that is still a huge source source of joy and fascination, but also humbling. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of thinking of how things should be, He's mm-hmm. living the things the way they are in the mm. moment. Okay. And I think this is something Tango teaches you, whoever you are, whichever way you do it, is mm. to accept the here and now and to live fully the here and now in the dance instead mm. of having always the image of how it should ideally be, which is all, which is kind of a tension, an internal tension when you mm. teach. Because when yeah. you teach, you have to have an idea of yeah. how things Ideally, it should be ideal being what you want to teach this person, of course. Right. It's very rare. Mm-hmm. So, um, patience and yeah, humbling, humbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to change uh, gears a little bit to the topic of musicality. So, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to novice dancers, Veronica, how do you introduce the concept of, of musicality?
1: Well, <clears throat> I work with uh, the premise that when people start to dance tango and Mm -hmm. uh, the majority of them have very little experience, Mm -hmm. maybe no experience with dance and music, Mm -hmm. is that um, if you teach them everything at once and you put emphasis on all the things at once, the cognitive charge that it poses on the brain will be so huge. They won't be able to do it all. So, you have to break it down in pieces and you have to go with it piece by piece. Mm -hmm. So, in the very first month, it is important that people learn some basic movements so they can actually walk and move together with another person, maybe already go and do one tanda in the Milonga. Yeah. So you won't be very much concerned with, with musicality apart from trying to get mm-hmm. the strong beat when you walk and you put your feet down. Yeah. So what I do is, first of all, I try to manage the cognitive charge mm-hmm. at the, every every specific point. How much I can ask people to pay attention to
0: mm-hmm.
1: at, at a specific moment and how can I shift their focus once Some things are more or less running Mm -hmm. to something different. And another thing is that I have uh, for myself devised kind of a model of approach to musicality, which uh, has four levels. Mm -hmm. And the basic level is the sense of rhythm and being able to follow the rhythmical structure. So uh, I first always take people onto that level. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people will stay on that level. Mm Because each one of us has a certain sensitivity to written, but it can vary greatly. The range of our capabilities, innate or developed, can vary. Mm-hmm. So you would have a very musical person initially, or you have a person who struggles to... St- put his foot or her foot on the beat, Right. and once I get people more or less comfortable in that basic level, then I can introduce the other three, Mm -hmm. and only very professional people will go to the fourth level, and even among professionals, I often don't see people operating on the fourth level, because that's just how it is. Mm yet uh, you could have beginners who already have such sensitivity to music and kind of a, a connection to their body that can go to the first level. Mm-hmm. Or at least get what it is about. Yeah. So yeah. when I teach musicality, musicality specifically, I made people aware of these four levels, and I tell to them, look, if you are on the first, you are absolutely fine. You are like mm-hmm. almost everyone and if you if you stay on that level you will still be fine you will have a time of your life you will mm-hmm. find partners that uh, will love dancing with you etc etc all the others is developing your musicality into something richer Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, you know, to, to not to mystify the people.
0: Right. <laughs> the, second, the
1: second level is being able to break up the rhythmical structure into blocks, mm-hmm. phrases. Yep. It's basically phrasing. So following the beginning and the end of the phrase, mm-hmm. making silences where the musicians take a silence, slowing down. Mm-hmm. When uh, the music slows down and accelerate when it's accelerate. Mm-hmm. The third level is being able to within one phrase to follow its narrative development. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you pray if it, if you draw a phrase
0: mm-hmm. as
1: an energy line going up and then at some point descending down towards uh, a quiet moment, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. your dance you could follow that. Mm. And this is what we often call follow the melody, for Mm. example. And then the fourth level is being able to express the energy of the music at every particular moment Mm. with your body. So, for example, if you combine all the other levels, so Mm. you are on the rhythm, you are following the the narrative structure of the music, and you are following the narrative line, curve Mm. of the phrase. And Mm. within that narrative line, you make an explosive Attention a, a, a moment that then exploses and then comes down into something, into a, a kind of a dying energy. Mm-hmm. You are expressing with your body the energy of the music, mm-hmm. the contrasts mm-hmm. in the music between um, it could be between soft and hard and uh, explosive and quiet, it could be between loud and stillness, etc. etc. So mm-hmm. it's purely the level of uh, expression.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so the more people uh, develop their musicality, the more they can integrate all the four levels into their dance. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people never go up past, uh, past uh, the three or even past past two, and it, mm-hmm. it's absolutely
0: fine. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you said just visualizing the narrative within the phrase. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was first introduced to that concept, I was actually counting. I was very mathematical about it. And that's very yeah. difficult for me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like that narrative. That, you know. And also, what
1: I have to say is that uh, one thing is being capable of actually hearing certain characteristics in the music,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, being able to express it through your body uh, involves a different capability of your nervous system. Yeah. When you can hear something, doesn't mean you can express it with your body. These are two different skills, mm-hmm. so to say, of mm-hmm. your nervous system. And both can be developed. And for both, you can have more or less an innate capability. Mm-hmm. But what it takes to get to the fourth level, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is a certain imagination, which is even in in another kind of skill. Yeah. So, for example, when you say to people, well, that's this part as if you if you were a little cat, you know, putting your paws <laughs> down yeah. softly. Mm-hmm. People who have uh, this imaginative streak, mm-hmm. they would know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. And other people look at you mm-hmm. like, me being a little cat, what do you mean? I mean, do you mean and again, the, some of those images are very specific. But if you say, well, here I would like more of a, something of, um, of a sparkly energy and then mm-hmm. they look at you like what do you mean sparkly energy right right Whereas somebody who is at ease with this kind of imagination say yes of course sparkly yes i hear this sparkly mm-hmm. see what mm-hmm. i
0: mean yeah very interesting that the, the, the all the different types of personalities we encounter in tango yeah
1: And sometimes it it seems very, very difficult and complex, but actually I'm surprised myself at how easy some of this concept are still to convey. Because when you work, for example, in musicality, teaching people to interpret differently different orchestras, Mm -hmm. and you make them aware of the main character of the energy of a certain piece of a certain orchestra, uh, in one of my classes, I said, okay, now I'm not going to play any music, but I want you to i want to see you walk on Darlienzo, and now mm-hmm. I want to see you walk on Vissarli, and now I want to see you walk on Pugliese. And all 30 people who were in my class, they showed me exactly what I wanted to see in the yeah. sense that I really felt a change of the energy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a change in movement. So uh, I was surprised myself, actually, how basic that still is, mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. We in a way that people can relate to.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay, Veronica, I wanted to uh, shift gears a little bit to performance. I remember you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, your love of performing. What was your very mm-hmm. first tango performance like?
1: I don't actually remember because there was some kind of small performances that didn't really stick very much. Okay. The first important performance that mm. was really like a big deal, we were both very nervous. My partner got stuck in a gancho, we almost fell, but we didn't. <laughs> and yeah, and it felt at the same time, it felt good and it felt uh, exhilarating mm. and you fuck up some things and some mm. things work out well. And um I love performing because it gives you this uh, heightened sense of being alive Mm -hmm. at the moment moment and it opens up all your sensors and it emphasizes your sensitivity to what is going on inside and outside of you it's the time slowing down and Mm -hmm. it's the it's almost psychedelic in a way that you become extremely open and almost detached from yourself and observing yourself while you're doing this so Mm. i always loved this quality this kind of meditation like uh, quality of uh, performing and also that feeling that it's almost like it's your last dance in a way so whatever happens will happen you have no choice you can't stop mm-hmm. you can't do it again you can't correct right you can't you just have to flow with it mm-hmm. whichever way it goes and when you are a follower you have much less over feeling of what is going to come
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, at every second new doors are opening for you and you just have to walk through walk through walk through walk through never stop never question never mm-hmm. overanalyze anything yeah and yet at the same time when you are an experienced dancer you have sufficient expertise mm-hmm. to control at the very detailed level what is it you do at the same time mm-hmm. and i find this an amazing combination because at once you're detached and you kind of feel things happening to you you are caught in the stream and the stream mm-hmm. is carrying you and at the same time you're swimming mm-hmm. expertly yeah you, you're handling everything fine mm-hmm. uh you are reacting instantly to everything that is going on and um i think I think in uh, Zen Buddhism they have this notion of uh, controlled spontaneity. Okay. And they're related to calligraphy. Mm. When you have practiced calligraphy for years and years and years,
0: mm-hmm. there
1: comes a point that you just take a brush, and in one swift move, you throw down something on paper, and it and it is there. Mm. So at once you have this extreme control, and yet it comes completely spontaneously. And mm-hmm. I think tango of all arts is the closest to calligraphy, actually.
0: Okay, wow. In
1: that sense. Hmm. Because what you practice is not a choreography, what you practice is a skill of doing it spontaneously, Mm -hmm. the way it comes. And every dance is absolutely
0: unique when you improvise. Yeah, absolutely. So Veronica, when you're working with a student who's interested in learning how to perform, what are some major differences between performing versus dancing socially?
1: The most important difference is the emphasis on the aesthetics of the movement. Okay. So let's say that in social Mm tango, we still have a very strong aesthetical uh, Mm -hmm. component, but it is always in a service, at the service of how it feels inside the couple in Ah. service of the connection Mm -hmm. when you perform the connection is very important because it will allow you to actually create something together Mm -hmm. but there is a huge emphasis for each of the dancers uh, and especially for the follower, on the aesthetic of the movement because Mm -hmm. this is what you want to give to your audience you want Mm -hmm. to give them a beautiful experience an intense experience visually Mm Being, for example, a good follower doesn't mean you are a good dancer. and doesn't mean you are an aesthetically good dancer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds paradoxically, but just to follow and to give a very good sensation to your leader and to really be there as a follower mm-hmm. doesn't mean you will dance beautifully. Mm. We, we wish, but it doesn't. So yeah. when a person wants to perform, and it's true for the leader as well. Yes. When a person wants to perform, they have to work on the aesthetic components like they've never worked before.
0: hmm
1: in social dance
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, at this moment we have augmented our requirements for the aesthetical part also in social dance so mm-hmm. you see flowers technique classes already exist for many years now yeah. you have also uh, leader techniques classes that are not about leading but about their own movement meaning mm-hmm. aesthetics
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 so, but uh, the fact that we give priority to this now much more also in social dance means we give tenfold priority to this in in professional performance. Mm -hmm. So when a dancer comes to me and they're very uh, already advanced as a leader or as a follower, it doesn't mean they are capable performance dancers. They still have to work on that part.
0: Okay. Excellent.
1: And I had to work on this for years and years and still working on this. Sure. I mean, still every time you see things that you want to improve and mm-hmm. um, also because when you perform, you don't only dance with your dancer, mm-hmm. you dance with the audience and the emotion of the audience. Mm-hmm. So you have to take into consideration things you don't when you just dance in longer, milonga, mm-hmm. such as you can't stop and laugh and, and at your mistake. You can't stop. You have to keep going from Mm -hmm. the beginning to the end. You have to show a development.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You have to to react at every unexpected thing that happens, Mm -hmm. but not in a relaxed way, in an alert way Mm -hmm. uh, that also will take the audience with you to show that you are performing and not practicing or just fooling around.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. right.
1: Unless fooling around is the expression that you want to convey, you
0: know? Okay, Veronica. So I've heard there's always something new to learn when it comes to tango, and you kind of touched upon this a moment ago. But even though you've had so much experience What's something new that you've learned in recent years? Not necessarily a new new figure, but perhaps a concept that you're going deeper in.
1: Well, for me personally, what I found interesting to work on in the past years is the notion of uh, high speed, for example. Hmm. In tango, we uh, have this recent trend of becoming interested in stage time for example mm-hmm. and in a highly choreographed um, high speed performances okay and very complex figures done at a huge speed mm. so uh, when in some years ago we were as, as spectators more interested in seeing the connection and the flowiness of the movement mm-hmm. right now the the plank kind of got gone up mm-hmm. in terms of virtuosity and we want to see virtuosity mm-hmm. and often it comes with extreme speed so if you are used to uh, to put emphasis on the flow, flowy side of tango and the connection side and kind of the internalizing of the dance mm-hmm. working on speed and complex figures at high speed
0: mm-hmm.
1: asks for kind of almost an opposite not an opposite but a very different focus Okay. So you want to keep the connection and you want to keep the organic naturalness of the movement and yet go at a huge speed and trust that those uh, ganjo ganjo boleo hero <laughs> things will work from mm-hmm. the beginning. To mm-hmm. So for me, that was uh, the challenge of the past years. How can I generate the speed without feeling that I'm running around, without tensing, without, with it still looking aesthetical and easy to do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: although it is not? this is a clear influence from a scenario tango that we're experiencing right now we uh Mm. we want to see uh virtuosity we become more interested in choreographed performances because this is where they often can put into this very very complex very high speed
0: things Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's the main thing that comes to mind okay
0: right so veronica what future projects are you working on
1: uh i'm kind of Going on with what I'm doing, which means teaching mm-hmm. a lot, uh, workshops here and there. I will start a new collab. I'm starting a new collaboration with a new partner right now. Nice. I still work with my current partner, but uh, I'm kind of opening up to a new collaboration and mm-hmm. see where it will take me. Okay. We just had our first uh, completely improvised performance, no preparation. Uh, okay. So um, we will now see where it will take us, what kind of a couple we can create. Okay. And I hope with this also to, uh, to travel and teach even more. Mm-hmm. So, um, and um, this past year, I have been part of a group that uh, was preparing a choreographed show. So I had my own experience of stage tango for the first time. Nice. It's very interesting and very nourishing, and I hope to continue this work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very enriching, both technically and uh, in mm-hmm. terms of expression and knowledge of tango okay so i hope to develop this further without necessarily becoming a scenario dancer this is not my uh, Mm -hmm. my main uh, focus Mm -hmm. Uh, more performing Uh, my project is always more performing and teaching i already have a lot of teaching yeah yeah. (laughs) performing yeah improving my
0: performance okay more performance excellent all right so veronica this has been a lot of fun uh where can we find out more about you online i
1: website uh,
0: verotango.com
1: there is my uh, the list of all my writings also about tango and my schedule and some background information about me so that's uh, that's the best place and then you can find me on facebook just under my name
0: okay great and then your book why tango is, is still out there right
1: Yes, uh, you can find it on Amazon. There is a link on my website. It's okay. the first 19 essays that I have written. And when I gather some more, I will maybe have a second volume someday. So. All right,
0: great. Yeah, and I'll have your website and the links to the book and yeah. to your facebook yeah. in my show notes so people will be able to find you. find you pretty easily okay veronica thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to me i know that you. you have a fun very a busy pleasure. yeah i have a very busy schedule <laughs> but uh yeah this was a lot of fun and i'm sure the listening audience will appreciate what you have to say i hope to meet you in person sometime
1: yes me too
0: okay all right take care veronica Thank you
1: very much. Yeah, bye-bye take care goodbye
0: Bye. okay that was another really good conversation. Wow, Veronica brought up a lot of great points. What I found really helpful was what she said about the difficulties of learning tango as adults compared to when we're younger. Veronica explained this very clearly in that by the time we've reached adulthood, we've already established some sort of professional expertise in how picking up tango, an activity that's totally new to us, creates a lot of anxiety because we find ourselves thrown into a situation where we don't know everything. We feel like we're not in control, we feel vulnerable. So if you're not in your teens or 20s anymore and feel that tango's really hard, chances are it's not because there's anything wrong with your brain, it's just your inner critic acting up. Now, I really like what Veronica said about dealing with the situation, that while learning tango, we should put ourselves in a more neutral mental state, to approach tango with an inquisitive mind rather than a judgmental or self-critical one. It takes practice but makes learning a lot more enjoyable. I also like what Veronica said about the connection with our partners and aesthetics. This was thought-provoking and it's helpful to think of these as two separate elements. And that a connection that feels good is not a reliable indication that the dance itself is looking good. Now, if you're dancing socially, making things feel good for our partners is enough. But to look good while dancing, Keep in mind that that's an extra effort or an extra layer that we need to add on top of the good connection. So thank you again, Veronica, for sharing your personal story and for your many insights. And a big thank you to all you listeners for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in contact with me for any reason, just send an email to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you could take about 20 seconds to pop on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you're listening and leave me a five-star rating and a review, that would be a great help and it makes this podcast more easy to find. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.